Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Straight fire. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Even the crowd knows what's coming next. It's Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We appreciate you joining us for the next three hours. And as always, we welcome your thoughts. We welcome your comments on the text line. 704-570-9610. All you got to do is text that number, 704-570-9610. I said this as soon as we sat down, Wes. We have a rundown. Every single category is filled. We have topics. We have lots of sound to get to today. This is one of those shows that Despite us actually having the entire rundown filled out, I have no clue what we're going to talk about today. But that's why we are great at what we do, because we don't always need a rundown. Our show can go in a lot of different directions, and we still entertain the people. We, we are kind of a, a pirate ship to nowhere, just to keep in theme with ECU. It yeah. is team week. We have Josh Graham joining us at 1245 to talk about the Pirates' upcoming football season, a little bit of the history. It's going to be tough to beat Steve Logan. In fact, somebody that is an alum of ECU, I'd love to know his experiences with Steve Logan because I'm sure he has some. Mm-hmm. That guy's got to be chock full of all sorts of stories that are just wild football stories. Yeah, you remember we talked about this with Kyle coming in, where your high everybody had a crazy high school football coach. Probably not the head coach, maybe it was. Maybe the strength and conditioning guy, your defensive coordinator, probably more so than your offensive coordinator. But there was a Coach Mackey that was with Bandy's for a long time and mm-hmm. then switched to Bunker Hill, Crib. Coach Mackey was as crazy as they got. And I feel like everybody has a crazy Coach Mackey in their high school uh, memory and their high school playing days. Yeah, I mean, as far as coaches, I'm trying to think. Uh, you would always have coaches that would say some wild stuff. But I'm trying to think of my, you didn't have anybody nuts? In my high school days, I can't really think of anybody. And then in college, my coaches too, for the most part, were pretty reserved. Yeah, guys that would say some funny stuff, some wild stuff every now and again, but just a guy that was just off the wall all the time with things they would do and say. Now, I had a JV basketball coach that was definitely like that, but on our football staff, for the most part, they were pretty pretty tame. Uh, JV basketball coach, that's the Remember the Titans story that I told when yes. we were about to beat, we were about to pull off the upset. The guy quotes um, Coach Yost, not Coach Boone, says, make them remember the day they played the Bears. We all started laughing and we lost that game. That was the JV basketball coach. <laughs> Fiddy, you had a JV basketball coach that was also a little crazy in the head? Oh, yeah. Coach Wright was uh, <laughs> he was he was not all right in the head. Let's just put it to you that way. My middle school football coach, my our, our defensive coordinator, um, I believe it or not, I, I played defensive line. I did a, not know you played football. I did in, in, in eighth grade. We got taught whenever we rush the quarterback, if we didn't grab a man, <laughs> we wouldn't play. So he taught he taught you to get a penalty every time, or at least be in the territory to have a flag thrown on you every yeah, time. Yeah, we we were literally like we were taught like he's like when I, when you rush the quarterback, I want you to either grab him or hit him, 
and his man parts. Oh, you mean that oh, way? Yeah. Oh, that changed. And if, if <laughs> and if we didn't, like I'm telling you, we would redo the drill. Like it was a drill that we practiced every day. Um, because he wanted to find out if the other team's players wore cups. Uh, this wow. this That's a waste of time. Well, plus this also transitioned into, hey, how crazy are our coaches? To wait, is there any jail time deserved for this <laughs> <Right>. guy? <laughs> Coach Steele was his name. He was our he was our math teacher. Yeah. <laughs> We, uh, what those we, classes went, were like. we went undefeated. I bet you did. We, Everybody we, was running away from me because they were going to get <laughs> hitting the man. Goodness gracious. All right. I didn't know we were getting off the bus with that anecdote, but here we are. Let's get off the bus right now. Go ahead, Fiddy. Open up the doors. We look good getting off the bus. I got something to say. Speaking of football, let's talk about Omaha Productions dropping some heat on Netflix. I've not watched it all the way through or an episode yet. I have seen a few clips that look like it is going to be very enticing. Wes, you already watched, what, one episode of this already? Yeah, I watched one episode of the quarterback show. Pat Mahomes. Pat Mahomes. Uh, Marcus Mariota. I was uh, I forgot who I was on the cast until I started watching it. And for some reason, I thought it was Justin Fields. But then I saw it was Marcus Mariota. I was like, wow, okay. But even his section, though, I did not know that he was he could get so animated because he seemed so quiet on the field. But he comes out, he's yelling, he's getting guys hype. I'm like, man, I didn't know Mariota got down like this. And then you have Kirk Cousins uh, as well. They go into their home lives and the different stuff that they do. It was pretty funny. Uh, Patrick Mahomes talking about how his wife was saying how much he hates taking pictures and like any other guy's girlfriend that has social media, she had him doing all these pictures and angles and he was getting annoyed with it and stuff like that. But just what a dog he is, man. And the thing I told you guys and I'm so excited about is, man, back in the day when you would watch NFL content, even for the most part now, this is the first NFL content that I've seen that wasn't intentionally like as far as somebody caught it and you could just hear the raw footage of them cursing and things of that nature because the NFL kind of always blurs that out but on this show they let it all go well and this is Netflix this is the great thing about excited. streaming we don't have to remember when last dance dropped it was on still before YouTube was YouTube TV was the thing to go to or you know cable was still holding on strong and Last Dance had an airing where they were allowed to curse and you could hear it or you could go to one station yeah. and then I forget it was like ESPN, ESPN2 or whatever and so you could either go to the version that was unedited or whatever and that was the first one but now yeah if you're going to drop something on Netflix you don't have to have that worry. You can rate it properly whatever you want to do and then you can decide what version you're going to watch but here this is great because we do get the unedited version and yeah, we, do, we do get to see Pat Mahomes right up in Max Crosby's grill after he was a little frustrated with one of the better pass rushers in the NFL doing just this little annoying bleep, right? We yeah. do have to edit here on <laughs> yeah, radio. We do, that so, we do. So just the annoying stuff, like punch Pat Mahomes in the arm, a little, you know, like 40% strength, just like, oh, uh, just after he already throws the football. Being a nuisance. Just, you know, little gnat stuff, like those little annoying gnats in the backyard. That's what Crosby was doing. And Pat Mahomes was trying to tell him, hey, to chill out with that. Yes. He throws a touchdown. They're on their way coming back. And Crosby and Pat Mahomes get into each other's grill. They start arguing a little bit. That's the fun part. Yeah. And that's the kind of stuff, honestly, that has a big impact on team and big impact on winning that maybe you don't see as much from 
your from your couch watching television, right? When you talk about the animation that a quarterback might bring, the rah-rah type mentality. Yeah, saying you woke up the wrong mother bleeper. Yeah, and saying it 10 times repeated. Yes. Just kept saying the same line like a broken record. That's the kind of cool stuff that I'm ready to see throughout this series. Yeah, he was pretty hot too, and then they had to keep him going on the sideline. Then you get to see in the preview uh, him telling in the playoff game against the Jaguars, him telling Andy Reid F no, and he said you gotta come out of the game, and different stuff like that, man. So it's 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 really great, as I said, the first NFL content I've seen that they've been okay with the curse words just going so you get to really hear what's going down on the field. Uh, they're showing the hits. They're showing all types of stuff. Peyton Manning made an appearance in the first one as far as just describing the position and things of that nature, man. I mean, it's what you'd expect. It's great. You get to see some three. Even if you don't like the guys, it's still interesting to see their home lives, how they get down, what they do after the game, what they do before the game, what they do during the week, all those cool things. Inside access is what everybody wants. Here's my question about Peyton Manning, because here he is, highly coveted, the most coveted athlete I would imagine post-playing career to be on your broadcast crew yeah and just doesn't want to do it because it's time consuming because you're having to dictate your schedule to the nfl schedule and now he just does manning cast whenever he wants to we'll do the first three weeks we'll take a break then we'll come back he gets to do whatever he wants he gets to work on the inside type of stuff with which you have to imagine peyton cares about more than anything the film study getting to know what makes these qbs tick Peyton Manning to me is like Little Wayne from 05 <laughs> to 2010. Uh-huh. Everybody wanted him to do a feature, and it was always a fire song that would be top five on the Billboard top chart. Peyton Manning, anything he touches post-playing career, except his stretch is going to be a lot longer because he's already got the great personality. He's going to do I all the I think he's going to be the football shack. Yes, it's a great. That's a great comparison. Lil Wayne, except a longer stretch, and/or Shaq. It doesn't matter what he does. Omaha Productions. You already had some of this stuff on ESPN.com. You have this stuff now on Netflix. You get Manning cast. Everybody wants him on their coaching staff. Whatever. Peyton Manning. You get that guy doing something entertaining. It's gonna be fire. No doubt about it. And him being picky and choosy. That's called. I've got the bag. I don't need to do it. I'm well off. I can look in the account and probably see nine figures. So I'm not too worried about what you got going when he's the perfect blend of (laughs) not best qb of all time i think most people would agree the postseason lack of success might take him away from that even if he did get a second super bowl against the panthers of course but peyton manning is that guy that i would rather have talking to me about football before tom brady not that tom brady isn't enticing at all because that's not true i would love to hear what tom brady has to say but if you're asking me to have the complete total package entertainment humor, intelligence, also been there and had among the most successful careers. Peyton Manning's not outside your top five QBs in NFL history. He is within inside your top five. Who else checks all the boxes yeah, like that? No doubt about That's it. That's why I think Shaq's a perfect an- uh, perfect answer and animal. I don't want to yeah. say that. Because <laughs> bo- he's also top five, but also not the best basketball player of all time. Perfect analogy. And not man. only that, I appreciate that. And, and I also <laughs> compared the two because when you talk about the longevity that Peyton Manning is going to have, I feel like he's going to be a guy that's going to, he may not take as many endorsement opportunities as Shaq does, 
but he's going to be a guy that's going to always be endorsed he did in, in the something. NFL. Yeah. His face is always going to be in front of us in some type of capacity, selling us or telling us about something. Just like Shaq, I mean, good Lord, what does the man, mm-hmm. his house, I mean, does he pay for anything? Not only because he has the money, but he endorses so much stuff. He should get so much free stuff mm-hmm. that he shouldn't have to buy much at all. Um, I, I did want to go to the text line because we started off the show with what are some crazy coaches that you guys have ever played for and what are some of their stories or reasons for being crazy? 828, that's crib too. Head coach Tom Brown, which if you don't know, legendary maiden football coach. Okay, yes. legendary. Head coach Tom Brown grabbed a linebacker by the face mask during practice one day and his dentures fell out while yelling at him. <laughs> I would have been dying. Yes. That's that a that's a great funny. story, especially. This might be fun to see some of these because a lot of people are going to know guys oh, like yeah. Tom Brown. Oh, yeah. Joey from Huntersville said, crazy high school coach is understatement of the year. Our coach was fooling with the student trainers and got popped. Goodness gracious. Oh, wow. Clown that's show. a bad one. Cackalack said, oh, you fellas want one? Coach Dellinger, JV Basketball. Diabetic with an insulin pump on his hip. When he got mad, he turned purple and needed a snack. Wow. Called everyone <laughs> something I can't say. That's funny to have a coach that I funny, guess you know when you see him yeah. eating a snack that he's angry. Like that's the funny part about that. You like coach gone, or you get mad and say gone over there and get your little snack because oh, oh I know you mad. Can you imagine all your power being stripped? It's not funny. It's not. But also <laughs> as a kid when he's trying to yell at you and then he needs to go get a pop tart or something. Right. Like, that's tough. Yeah. That's tough to deal with. 803 said middle school football head coach. Um, I'm sorry. Am I reading this correctly, Fitty? 803. Which number? 803. From South Carolina. Middle school football head coach. Pissed on a rival's bed after we lost? But oh, I don't know. Happened. We'll move on. We'll move on. Seven well, four, I, mean, I, I mean, was he peeing on the flowers? Like, yo, did he have weed? I don't know what's going on. A little flower shower? Uh, 704 wrote in. I have questions, Fiddy, about your coach that you said would um, be uh, trying to make sure that you were grabbing players on the other team in an area that you shouldn't be grabbing players. 704 said, I have questions, Fiddy. Did the other team pay financially for this service? Did they get to, all right, I'm done. I can't read any of these. I like this uh, 828. He said, coach, this 828 number said, coach. Burn, defensive coordinator at Maiden High School, used to tackle trash cans God. in the locker room. See, that's what I want. That's yeah. what I want. I want the coach that was tackling trash cans. I don't want any other questions. Some of these text messages, they'll get me in trouble because the computer is loading slowly, and then I'll start, and then I'll get to the bad stuff that I can't say on air. We're going to try to consolidate these. We'll come back. We'll talk a little more about the Charlotte Hornets and Panthers training camp. Intriguing storylines. We're two weeks away. We'll get to all of that in just a moment. It's Weston Walker Sports Radio 92. WFNZ. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only 
at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Weston Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. It's always a wild card about the mic situation because sometimes we'll have people in here and then Wes will be bringing us in. He'll turn on the mic. Somebody's in here. And then sometimes I'll do it. I'll wait for a second, two seconds, and then I'll press it on and I'm like, wait, what's going on? Are we sure that everybody is quiet as we come on the air just because I don't want anything explicit to go over the years? It's wild. Wild in the Planet Kia Studios. And so it makes me a little scared. 704-570-9610. I do want to go to some coach stories. People are still sending in the crazy coach stories, whether it's a basketball team or a football team. Uh, Big Puddin from East Tennessee. He said, Coach Turbin, Coach Turpin, was so angry with us at the half, he cussed during the team prayer, asked for forgiveness for cussing, cussed again, and then just said, F it, amen. That's a great one. That's- I'd be phenomenal God, that's, it's, i'd be laughing and walking out onto the field for sure 803 from south carolina said high school head coach indian land in south carolina we got beat in the jamboree 49 to nothing coach took us all immediately back to our practice field and we did oklahoma drills and sprints for two hours ended when he said send the boys home call an ambulance <laughs> It's about as brutal as it gets. It you is. can't you can't do any of that stuff today. Like, like if you get your butt beat, there's no going back and practicing. You got to go home. We did that in JV ball. Like we would come back, and if we played bad, and being and playing bad could be winning by twenty, and we didn't like the way we played. We practice. You yeah, can't do that much. with today, exactly. They'll just quit. Well, I remember there's a famous story with Coach Pat Summit where Tennessee didn't play well, and apparently she after they got back. I think they got back from an away game or maybe they were at home, but either way, they weren't allowed to take their jerseys off. The Tennessee basketball team weren't allowed to take their jerseys off and they practiced for a very long time in the nasty jerseys that they had already played in and and to show that they deserve to wear them again. Like, because that's just coaches can be crazy. I've heard of K K doing that as well. Coach Uh, K did the same thing. Having them practice. I think I read in Grant Hill's book, they did something like that. They, I think they lost awake and then they came back he said, and he made them practice. Yeah, I'd have made them too if they lost awake. Yeah, I knew that was coming. <laughs> Casey Steve, he said, high school football, one of the assistant coaches also taught shop and pointed at us with a stub finger. The running joke was when he held up five fingers, we asked if he meant four and a half. He did laugh, though. <laughs> Can you imagine trying to be serious and saying, give me five, and then you're really holding up four and a half, and everybody calls you out on it? That would be hilarious. Michael, 49er fan, he said, Coach Kip White. All right, we're just calling him out. He was a linebacker coach at Providence when my uncle went there, and uh, he asked when I was there, my uncle, or if I was there, it was related to my uncle, I guess. He had a bunch of wild stories about him. I only saw him headbutt a player on the sideline because he wasn't tackling hard enough. The player had a helmet. The coach did not. The coach's forehead started bleeding, and the game went on like nothing happened. It's like Owen Schmidt style for West Virginia. Do you remember that? Uh, yeah, I do remember that, man. And uh, Coach Grobe, even though he was very, very laid back by nature, you know, we name it names on here. You know what I'm saying? That's like right. The disc records. Uh, yeah, we're snitching. It, it, just some of the ways about it, you would wonder, like, is he okay? Because I remember one day, I never forget the day we were in 20 plus gases after practice. That was, 
That was, I mean, and, and the funny part is just how the brain works because we all said it had to be like 24, 26. And I'm talking about four gases, four trips after practice. And we were still talking, laugh about it to this day. But it was just like, man, like, is, is, is he cool? And then the fact of if you would have told us beforehand how many we would have had to run or how many we had to run, you wouldn't have made it. But the fact that he just kept every time yeah. the next group came, he's like, on the line, on the line, on the line, and then just... Just not stopping. Yeah, and then just some of the physical practice. A three-and-a-half-week camp, no break. <sighs> yeah, that sounds... All the practices are just as intense as the other. It doesn't sound like it's any fun. Uh, Hurricane Mark <laughs> did say, last one, in high school, I was on the swim team. Me and a buddy of mine were goofing off, and my coach had enough of it, threw a metal folding chair at us in the pool. That gum. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all must have been lollygagging. Yeah, that's uh, some Bobby Knight swim coach and stuff right right there, throwing a metal folding chair in the pool. All right, let's talk about some coaches that might be a little crazy, but we're not going to snitch on them. It's the Carolina Panthers. I don't have any stories, some crazy stories about their coaches, but we'll see if any of that craziness comes out at training camp. We are two weeks away from the Carolina Panthers reporting in Spartanburg, getting ready for another offseason at Wofford, and it should be interesting to see some of these major storylines here, Wes. If I had to give you just a couple of the most intriguing storylines, is it all about Bryce Young, something else interesting that you might have? What say you on the most intriguing storylines heading into camp? Um, I would say for sure just I think the receiving core is definitely at the top of the list for me. I know what I expect from Bryce Young. I don't expect to see much different from him than I've already been seeing and hearing uh, about him, but as far as the receiving core is concerned, how does Adam Thielen look? Uh, does he look like a guy that's capable of being that that veteran that's got just a little bit left to be able to still put together a really good season? Is DJ Chark, is he ready to go? How is TMJ looking? Is Mingo as good as advertised? So I would go with that. And then just uh, for me also, Derek Brown, uh, shifting positions in that base front now under Israel Evero. How much does that change the impact that he has from play to play? Is he just going to be a constant menace, which is going to be hard to do because part of his job is taking up those blockers. So I think those two would be at the top of my list. Wide receivers are on my list just because I don't know how it's going to shape up. Adam Thielen will be the default number one receiver to me, but I don't think it's hard at all to see that he could be surpassed. But I think it's going to be really tough to try to pick out who is going to be the number one receiver at the end of the season, right? You might have a guy that has more yards, but he might not have as many receptions. He might not be the deep threat, the yards per reception. Target. I, I think it is going to be, or the most targets. I think it's going to be spread out quite a bit, but I wonder how soon that happens, and could we even get to a point in training camp before the season actually starts to where you know it's going to be evenly distributed week one, week two, before we even get to halfway point and Bryce Young has started to develop his favorite target to throw to, because that can still happen right now. Bryce Young is working out with the wide receivers, just like a lot of the good quarterbacks do in the NFL working together in the offseason. SMU, I think he was down there with Mingo, if I'm not mistaken, a couple weeks back. So that's another thing I'm intrigued about. Position, how it all shapes up with the top five receivers. And then Jeremy Chin. I just, how are they going to use him? Is it going to be night and day with what Phil Snow was doing with Jeremy Chin? Is he going to be so much closer to the line of scrimmage at a more frequent rate? 
than what Phil Snow was doing now that he's playing under a Jero Averro. I think you can start to see some of those situations, some of the lineups for Chin, not necessarily how he performs, but just how he's used, right? Training camp, it can be deceiving. We all know about the training camp MVPs. A guy will be unguardable. I remember I remember Steve Reed calling Curtis Samuel unguardable down in Spartanburg. Love Curtis Samuel. Was very good in the regular season. Injuries were part of his problem, but you get the idea. Guys can make big-time impressions, even if some of the hyperbole that might be describing them is not going to come to fruition in the regular season. Also, so it's it's not about like how well Jeremy Chin performs. Just want to see where he's lining up. I think that's another intriguing storyline for me. Yeah, you want to get the drop on what they're going to do with him. Are they indeed going to be moving him around? Uh, are they going to be using him as the defensive weapon? Many people want to see him being used as. And then also, too, with, with uh, Brian Burns, you know, you want to see, uh, is he starting to get to the point where he's dominating? Because I feel like Iki Aquanu, he may not be to the point where he's formidable in the fact of him just being one of the most dominant tackles in the league. But I think he's still a formidable challenge for Brian Burns day in and day out. So where is Burns in his development? Has he gotten to that point where uh, no offensive lineman can block him one-on-one and he's just using an array of moves and he's taking his game to the next level? I think that's another aspect that will be key to watch uh, as well. Simon says, wrote in, I'm very excited to see Hayden Hurst. We need desperate help at the tight end position. And Heat fan said, I think TMJ is going to be the number one option by seasons. And if he stays healthy, it's not crazy to me, but still, it's a decent, it's a bold take. It's a strong take. I don't think it's a strong toke. We need to bring that game back out. Yeah, I think... The guy throwing them the football you feel pretty good about in Bryce Young. It feels like he's not going to fail. Everything you hear about him is excellent. Now they're expanding the playbook because he's shown such an understanding of what they initially gave to him. So you feel great about this QB. Number one overall uh, pick in the NFL draft. I don't know if we've ever called him the best prospect of all time. Maybe the best Panther prospect that they've had in quite some time. But man, Bryce Young, all the hype is there. And now he's getting the attention of many NFL national personality or national NFL personalities. Colin Coward was just talking about Bryce Young yesterday on his show, The Herd, and he said Bryce Young is good enough to make the Panthers a wild card team. Bryce Young, and, and, and if I recall, J Mac is not as high on Bryce Young as I am. He's the quarterback from Alabama. Uh, that is now going to start for Carolina. So I think Carolina is going to be a wild card team. They're my what are you talking about team. Everybody's got to take a big swing. Carolina is my big swing. I like their defense. I love their coaching staff. I think they've got some interesting receivers, mostly two and threes. uh, But they ran the ball okay last year, and I think Bryce Young's good. But here's the thing. Because Alabama and Nick Saban is really about 90% NFL franchise already, their weight training, their nutrition, their coaching, their film study – Nick's been to the NFL, knows the NFL. Alabama, they squeeze all the talent out of the players. So when you get an Alabama player, you kind of know the ceiling. You kind of know what they have. What do you make of that soundbite from Colin Coward? Yeah, I agree with him, and I think that he is the greatest 
prospect the Panthers have gotten in the sense of this is nothing I haven't said before as far as just the pedigree. I know a lot of people are going to point to the size and they're going to say Cam Newton and the size differences and the speed and different things of that nature. But I just mean the fact of, yeah, Cam was touted coming out of high school, but not touted like Bryce Young was. Uh, you know, Cam was touted coming out of Auburn, but not like Bryce Young was as far as just as a pure passer, as far as a information taker, information, uh, just a guy that can take it in and spit it back out and be able to translate it to the field because Cam had to work his way up the draft board in the process once the season was over because I remembered seeing mock drafts with him as far as 13, 12 in that range before he ascended. But as far as just the pedigree of this young man being the top guy at every level that he's played in as far as coming into it and coming out of it, I don't think the Panthers have had a prospect of this caliber. As I said, he was number one in high school. He was a prodigious prospect when he came to Matter Day. He was a number one quarterback in high school when he came out of Matter Day. He was uh, a Heisman winner and the number one quarterback of his class in this NFL class. So I think that as far as all that's concerned, and you just talk about a pedigreed prospect that is just decorated and groomed to be fantastic i think this is the guy and so uh when when you just put all that together i think he does have the makings of being the greatest panthers prospect and i think his size makes him all the more intriguing it's kind of like uh when you compare to like a superhero and him having that little bit of adversity to his skill set as far as being his size he's he's like an ant-man small dude with with a big punch so that that makes him kind of special in his own right yeah the size is a legitimate enough question though to where i wouldn't call him the best prospect in panthers history right like we we've talked about this before and then we got flooded with julius peppers text because that guy was an absolute animal houston is starting their franchise at the time that's fair and so they got to go with Carr at the qb spot because you have to draft a qb to start your franchise i guess there's different schools of thought but that was their school of thought so then julius peppers is there to be had and this was one of the bigger freaks that we've ever seen that delivered on all that hype too so had all of it number two pick in the nfl draft and then goes on to be a two-time all-decade guy gonna be a first ballot hall of famer you know not too removed from the game is immediately going into the hall of honor julius peppers is that guy to me and i think with ceiling maybe bryce young is that guy that has more accuracy coming out of college i think yeah cam newton was i guess polarizing we'll all point to the sports illustrated cover pointing at who's next with jake locker and blaine gabbard and all that but Cam Newton had a pretty damn high ceiling. People understood that aspect. So when we talk about great prospect, there are those questions that we might have about Bryce Young having the kind of ceiling that you might not uh, that not having the type of ceiling that you might have with some of these physically gifted freaks at the QB spot. Because remember, we were talking about there being a very real possibility CJ Stroud would be the number one pick for a while. We were talking about the very real possibility that Anthony Richardson would be the number one pick. When we point to mock drafts, that's just more so of where the media might be pointing to at that time, who's getting hot, what's getting reported on the most. As much as Bryce Young was 100% the right pick, love what they did here. To call him the best Panthers prospect in franchise history, that seems tough given a couple of the other freaks they've drafted towards the top. Well, I mean, yeah, because you're looking at the physical dimensions and just because Bryce Young is I think that matters biggest, when you measure a prospect. I mean, it does to a degree for me, but a guy that's shown and proved and been the best at every level that he's played at, 
Um, that's the thing as well. Like, yeah, Julius Peppers was phenomenal. There's no question about it. But he was also a defensive end. This was not a guy you were looking at that could take you to a Super Bowl. But then coming out of high school, you know, he wasn't the number one overall player in his class. Uh, coming out of the NFL draft, he went number two, but he wasn't number one. Um, and so these are the things that I'm talking about, just that, yeah, size is really the only demerit that Bryce Young has. Other than that, every level he's been at, he's been the guy, the top guy, and he's produced like the top guy and been the guy at every level that yeah. he's played at, and that's what makes me say that. Well, and, and even the size, I mean, depending on how much you think it affects the arm strength, it's not tier one arm strength. It's not bad. But Kyler Murray was also short and has a rocket arm. Russell Wilson, same thing, having the baseball background. Short guys have rocket arms. And so when you're talking about arm strength, maybe you think it's an overrated quality, but you'd rather have it than not. You'd rather be able to throw a fireball 70 yards downfield. And Bryce Young doesn't have that tier. Cam Newton had a crazy arm strength. And I wouldn't call Bryce Young's arm strength as crazy as that. The processing of the game, Bryce Young is elite. Mm-hmm. There, there's no doubt. But I do think when we talk about everything you being able to check the box off, man, I mean. That, but as that, a pass on a quarterback, Cam Newton's not even in his stratosphere coming out of high. Coming out of I think college. Cam was underrated with his accuracy. I he think was good, but he's no that. Bryce Young. No, he's not throwing the ball. But right. But I mean, you might have a strong arm. That's fine. But I, and I've always been one to think arm strength is vastly overrated. It's nice to have when you have everything else in tow. But I, if I have to have a quarterback that I have to give up a little bit of arm strength to get everything else that I can get, then give me that all day long. I mean, Steve Young's my favorite quarterback ever, and Steve Young didn't have a rocket arm, but the accuracy and everything else he brought to the table made him phenomenal. So, But what, this is right. Yeah, I think there's a difference between how good somebody can be and, and just measuring prospects because it's all about mitigating risk as much as possible. Mm-hmm. And so, there, I mean, we talked about this. The type of comparison that you would have with the best QBs that we've seen at any given time. Man, you're going Joe Burrow, Drew Brees, mm-hmm. guys that didn't have phenomenal phenomenal physical feats. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, Joe Burrow is still 6'5", right? So we can go to Pat Mahomes, who can throw it out of the arena and also has some great scrambling. I think that's... He might become one of the better QBs. He might be a top five guy. He really might. But as far as a prospect, you still had questions. That's why you're not holding him in regard to like Trevor Lawrence. But there was no questions about his game. There was just questions about his size. There was nothing about his game that we questioned. But, well, I mean, but I think that matters, though, when you're trying to project him to go face the big, scary NFL guys. Yeah, see, for me, that was, I've never... Like I said, you we did not, but, 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 but and I know people did, but as far as this guys that the crazy. Panthers have brought in, that was just a, a flawless prospect as far as in terms of what they did, the positions that they played. He was a flawless prospect. There uh, was, there was really no weaknesses to his game. Production. Yes. Production. Yeah. He was pretty flawless. I mean, he didn't run as much, but you didn't need to when you're playing like production. But I think Julius was literally flawless. What, what, but what, he had questions about his motor. Coming out, yeah, I know they did once they once he oh, wanted he a new contract about his motor because he was so dominant. They was like, okay, does does he always want to play because he's so good? Well, I mean, yeah, I, I guess that I, 
It's tough. It's tough for me to say that he's the perfect prospect, but he's certainly very well, good. Now they you're him no, it. You're well, the no best prospect team. ever. I, I'm not. Yeah. Don't want to play semantics. Just the best prospect ever, right? right. Like, yeah, it, that's something tough for me. Seven zero four five seven zero ninety six ten. Let's go to the uh, text line seven zero four five seven zero ninety six ten. Um, we have some people writing it about Cam. You know, writing it about Peppers again. Um, but yeah, Bryce Young. He's he's the number one overall pick. So we'll see what happens. Fitty, do you mind if we skip over the Fitty Flash? Or did you want to give us something? Man, time flies. Yeah, it does, especially when you're saying that Steve Young's your favorite quarterback. Did you not see Joe Montana? Uh, I was young, man. That wasn't my Niners like that. I came in at the end. Steve Young was my quarterback. Okay. I didn't say he was better than Joe Montana. I said he was my favorite quarterback because that was my that was my man. That was the 49ers quarterback that <laughs> when I started watching them like that, he was the guy. All right, let's continue on with Team Week. ECU, they are the team of this week. We'll speak to an alum. Josh Graham joining us coming up next. Weston Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Team Week on Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ ECU. The debut of Team Week. The feature. We've got the fight song playing for you. We're going to bring it in right here, of course, with going to an alum of ECU. Josh Graham, host of The Drive on WSJS. You can follow him on Twitter, by the way, at Josh Graham Show. I don't know his threads handle, so maybe he has one of those. I'm not sure. I don't know if anybody's contributing anymore. Um, Josh, I I, kind of want to put you on the spot immediately. Do you care to sing a little of the fight song for us? Do you know it well enough to do that? <laughs> I, I think um, if you're an East Carolina student or if you know ECU well, you know that the school has a reputation of getting down quite a bit. Nobody really knows the lyrics except <laughs> the very end where it's like, and loyal and bold for the purple and gold, we are the pirates of ECU. The rest of it's just a blur. Yeah. Kind of like being an ECU student for four years. Hey, don't feel bad. I don't know my fight song either. And guess who else doesn't? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no way. Sorry, Charlotte. I'm very sorry. I know you we... Probably, yeah, but hold one second. You probably could do the humming deal where it's like, See, that just sounds like a 50 show tune, Josh. That doesn't sound like a college fight song to me. But maybe that's what they all sound like. I know when to sway and just shut my mouth. That, that It gives the illusion that I know what I'm doing when I really don't. Um, and, and speaking, Josh, just real quickly of not knowing what I was doing, we had Steve Logan on yesterday. He, oh. oh, that's what I wanted. That's what I wanted. Josh, he was amazing. We also asked only four questions, and the interview was done. Now, amongst those four questions, he he explained to us what the BCS was. It was like an afternoon in the living room with your grandpa. He said, "This is. Do you guys remember the BCS? Yeah, you know what we do." 
And he also explained to us what the star system in recruiting is, giving us excellent analogies along the way. My question to you, Josh, do you have some interesting former East Carolina football coach Steve Logan stories? And if so, how do you prepare for an interview with that guy? Um, well, our conversations off air are the same as the conversations we've had <laughs> on air. And probably the strangest example was he had a friend that was coaching on ECU staff at one point. And he said, oh, yeah, we're coaching in NFL Europe together. And that reminds me, have you ever been to a dope shop? <laughs> I said, at this point in my life, I said, no, Steve, have you? Yeah. And I got some advice for you, buddy. I'm like, all right. It's like, never wear a hat into a dope shop. They frown upon people wearing hats. In dope shops, I'm like, how would you know that, Steve? He's like, well, I was in Amsterdam, and I just wanted to see what it was like. NFL Europe, me and this defensive coach, we went into a dope shop, and I wore a hat. And the guy looked at me and said, sir, would you mind removing, would you mind moving your hat? He's like, oh, oh okay, I, did, I just didn't know. But then it was a dome stadium we were coaching in in Amsterdam, and the entire lower bowl was smoking dope. I didn't know what was going on by the second half, man. I'll tell you, it's the most fun I've ever had. That's Steve Logan on a beach telling me a story. And then I didn't think he'd ever tell that story on air. A year later, he told that story verbatim the same way he told me the story, you know, just sitting on his boat. It's perfect. Never wear a hat in a dope shop. All right, got it. Wes, take it away. I just wanted to make sure we wrote that. All down. right, so getting to more serious matters with this East Carolina football team, and we know that they've lost a lot of guys holding Aylers at quarterback, to be specific. So Mason Garcia enters one of the best prospects to come into a group of five school for quite some time came in with a lot of fanfare what have you heard about him is he making good on the promise that many feel that he has i think that east carolina is just fortunate that he's still there it was kind of an interesting deal with holton nailers with his relationship um to the university being a greenville guy who turned down nc state to go to ecu and his dad being the public address announcer for the pirates and him doing a lot of great things, but there was always a concern, especially in the NIL era and the one-time transfer era, that if you continued to play Aylers as much as you did, you might lose a guy, which you outlined the way you did uh, nicely there, that was a pretty highly touted recruit. So the fact that he's in place is a big deal, and it's not going to be easy when you start looking at the schedule and you're like, oh, who do we got week one? Are we going to roll out there and play uh, Gardner-Webb or something like that? No, no, you're in Ann Arbor. You're playing Michigan. Yeah, that's Jim Harbaugh, and that's a team that's pretty darn good. It's beaten Ohio State the last few years that you're going to have to line up against to open up the season. And then after that, it just doesn't get easy. Like you're talking about Marshall. There's a lot of history between the Pirates and Marshall going back to 1970. Everybody knows the movie We Are Marshall. A lot of people might have forgotten that the plane was leaving Greenville, North Carolina, to go back to Marshall back when that happened. And then Appalachian State in Boone after that. So if you're talking about a three-game stretch to try and you know establish who you are as a quarterback and try to get your feet wet, it's hard to imagine this level of more difficult stretch to try.
try and make that happen again. Now, he looks to be a kind of a raw prospect when you look at him from just a technical standpoint. But also, they talked about Alex Flan, that's a fifth-year senior type of player, very experienced. They said he stole the show during the purple and gold game, 19-22, 172 yards and a touchdown. But they also said through the other scrimmages that were had during the spring, he posted similar numbers. How much of a threat is he going to be to Mason Garcia? And would they be afraid that if Flynn did end up taking the job that the scenario you described may play out that Garcia may end up somewhere else. It's a good problem to have, Wes, to be honest. But the thing that makes if, – if we were talking about ECU in the Lincoln-Riley era when he was the offensive coordinator in 14 or 15, that, that would have been the central conversation point of, oh, man, you have to have that ample concern of figuring out that you have the right guy to run the position. But this actually reminds me more of the Skip Holtz era of ECU football, where you had like a Rob Cast or you had, you know, Patrick Pinkney rolling in at quarterback, and you kind of plug and play a little bit more given the way that this team runs its offense now. Uh, last year was the first time, and really the last two years, that this was not a let's spread it out and strictly rely on our passing game, running gun type of offense. Like they have legit like a legit commitment to the run and they actually play defense which is something they never did under Ruffin McNeil and Lincoln Riley too and it's netted some results that look a lot like the early days of those Ruffin McNeil's days that were among the best that ECU's had since finishing ninth of the country and winning the Peach Bowl in 1991 so there's a lot of reason for optimism and the fact that it's not just how good is your quarterback strictly relying and directly resulting in how good your team's going to be that year is something that's different to process as an ECU person and something that actually makes me more optimistic about where things are headed. Josh Graham, host of The Drive on WSJS. Follow him on Twitter at Josh Graham Show. All right, Josh, we don't have a ton of time. I did want to roll through four questions I have here. Four, just rapid fire real quickly. Are you down to answer some ECU rapid fire questions? Yes. Let's go. All right, let's do it. Um, We were looking at the history of ECU. Really, really good QB history that you have over there in Greenville. We'll start off with this one. Favorite ECU quarterback of all time? My favorite is Shane Carden. Jeff Blake is the best quarterback of all time. Yeah, I I did not realize he had like a... Oh, wait. Oh, wait. No, no, no. David Garrard would kill me if I answered the question that way. (laughs) David Garrard's the answer. And a quick side note, since Julius Peppers was a Hall of Honor inductee this week, I remember DG told me one story where he was uh, he was just playing pickup basketball in Durham, like uh, late 1990s. He's a little bit older than Pep, and he was playing with some guys who were going to be playing basketball in the ACC just a few years later. And they said, "Hey, we're just inviting this kid to play pickup basketball with us, but he's a freshman, so let's take it easy on him." And it turns out it's Julius Peppers. He's <laughs> bigger than everybody, and he crushes them all—people that he would be competing with in ACC basketball just a few years after that. So, yeah, David Garrard's my favorite because he has stories like that. I mean, there's a mm-hmm. big pool to choose from. I don't blame you for not getting the first one right. There's a lot to choose from. Uh, favorite ECU spot to eat in Greenville? Sup Dogs, man. Come on. I mean, well, look, I didn't know if you had something super secret. Devious, Chuck Sup Dogs. The classic. Oh. Sup Dogs. You never been there? No. I've All right. Heard you should it. try it. Uh, most famous person you've ever seen on campus? Oh, there was a huge rumor one time. That one of the restaurants, Sandra Bullock, who's an alum, yes. was around. But the answer to the question is Aaron Jones, who a year and a half ago, I was just eating at aforementioned Sup Dogs, 
And my friend's like, who's a Packer fan, I think that's Aaron Jones. I'm like, why would Aaron Jones be here? And he's like, is there a connection? No, he's from El Paso, Texas. Why would he be here? And then we walk up to him. He has a big chain that says number 33 on it. I'm like, are you Aaron Jones? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Why are you here? My cousin plays for the basketball team. That cousin, Tristan Newton, who then transferred to UConn, just won a national championship with the Huskies. Oh, yeah. I love the little sauce that he puts on at the end of each of these answers. All right, last one, Josh. Best win you attended in person could be any sport. It has to be the win against North Carolina, 70-41, to 41, perfect purple skies. Hmm. I'm down on the sideline, and Pat Dye, uh, the late Pat Dye, who coached Ruffin McNeil at ECU in the 70s, said that this is one of the coolest things he's ever experienced, and he experienced the Iron Bowl and coaching Bo Jackson, the whole deal. And then after hugging the university president at the time, walking off the field, Lincoln Riley looks at me and he says, this is the best win I've ever been a part of. And I think that answer has probably changed over the last 10 years. Yeah, probably a little bit, but that's okay. That's still a good win to mention in this rapid fire session. It feels weird, Josh, not talking ACC, but we'll have plenty of time to do that in a couple of weeks with ACC Media Days coming up. That's Josh Graham on the Body Works Plus guest hotline, the host of The Drive on WSJS. And you need to follow him. Do it at Josh Graham Show on Twitter. We appreciate the time, man. Thanks as always. Thanks, Josh. No doubt. See you guys. That was fun, getting to learn a little bit more Sandra about Bullock ECU. went to ECU? Yeah, you didn't know that, huh? Yeah. Wow. What does that do? Does that change things as far as how you view ECU? That Sandra No, it doesn't change things, but I'm just like, man, what were the guys thinking then? Somebody should have locked her down right then and there. Well, well, we had, if you're out there, <laughs> I remember at some point, one listener texting that he dated Sandra Bullock in college? Yeah. I think that text, I think that listener exists. Wow. I think that's right. So you can text us, 704-570-9610. I'm sure I'm going to get a lot of false text on that front, but we'll still open up the door. Let's take a quick break. You had something real quickly, Fitty, before we go? No. Okay. You had the mic. I thought you were ready to go. We're ready to go in the 1 o'clock hour, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC.